Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, home of the world's greatest artist, TLC, Gladys Knight, India Ari, Indigo Girls, and Hartsfield Atlanta Jackson Airport, the Falcons, and Clark Atlanta University. This is The Bright Side with Technicia, a daily show with real people with real experiences. And now, here's your host, Technicia. All right, my Blog Talk Radio listeners, welcome to my show, The Bright Side with Technicia. And good afternoon to you, baby. I hope that you have had a blessed weekend so far. Nobody rained on your parade, but this month is almost ended, and we're keeping it spicy at the end of the month, honey. Because what we love, we love the word sex, and that's what it's all about. And usually people get a little intimidated when they hear that word. But I hope you don't get intimidated too much, because here with me today to share all the goodies is Nicole Delacroix. She has her own new nonfiction piece called Sexual Confession, Confidential Omissions from Social Media, honey. And I'm ready to learn all the facts from social media. We'll probably talk about a little marital affairs, erotica, your fantasies, and everything else. And if you need your questions answered, do call in at 347-426-3751. You can hit me up on chat, on Facebook. I am there if you have any private questions. I'm not going to keep the chat box open on Blog Talk because usually no one comes to that. But I do need you to call in, and I do need you to hit me up on Facebook. You know my name, Technicia Day. Don't act like you don't. But anyway, we're going to get this thing cracking. And also, I have my Facebook fan page, The Bright Side with Technicia. But enough about me. We're going to get in and talk about Nicole Delacroix. We're going to talk about this book and how it led up to writing this and everything else. So I need you to be positive, keep your ears and eyes open, and when you call in, call in with questions, nothing petty. So anyway, we're going to get this thing started. Nicole, thank you so much for being on my show today and taking out your time from your busy schedule to do this with me. All right. Hold on, everyone. Okay. Hold on, everyone. Just a slight technical difficulty. We are trying to get, I am trying to get Nicole in, so just give me one second to see if we can get Nicole in. Nicole? Can you hear me, Technician? Okay, Nicole. All right, we got yes. Nicole right back on. Yes. All right, we had a little bit of a fancy dance there. <laughs> Why? Trying to block us from our conversation. Oh, we're going to do this one. <laughs> I don't know what was going on to have my earbuds in, but for some reason, I guess they're not working. Right. Somebody didn't want, somebody tried to block us, not today. But, Nicole, um, as I was saying, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate it. I do. Well, I am so pleased to be here and honored. I think you have a wonderful show, and I'm just happy to be here. I kept it public because I don't think we're going to get as 
filthy with it. So I think it could be a little enticing. But if you feel that it's not appropriate for you, then I advise you not to let your children listen because that's what it's going to be. <laughs> but, Nicole, let's talk, let's talk about this um, sexual confessional confidential omissions from social media. What led up to this? What was the ignition to get this started? Well, honestly, um, it's my second book, so we have to start with my first book. I apparently saw Twilight, the movie, and um, figured, hey, I can write a book like that. So um, I wrote a non, uh, a regular fiction book, young adult, paranormal, and put it out there with the anticipation that everybody was going to read it and I was going to be as popular as Twilight. And when reality set in, and I'd only sold six copies, um, five of which were, I'm pretty sure, my mother, um, I was very disappointed. And um, I started I started thinking about the bigger questions in life. You know, I think everybody kind of feels that way when they have an initial failure in their life. They start thinking about, where did my life go wrong? And um, I started thinking about those big questions, and I thought, wouldn't it be kind of fun to just kind of hear what people think about, you know, why are we here and what, what life is all about? And um, it kind of morphed into this, I got a lot of people answering me about the bigger questions. Then I started thinking, well, it would be kind of fun to see if I could get them to answer some questions about sex. And it kind of spiraled out of control, so to speak. Um, being the person that I am, I always, when I put a survey out, this was, of course, a blind survey that I put out, um, people did not have to put their names on it or anything like that. I had prefaced it that if they took the, the survey that they could possibly end up in a publication. And after posting the survey, <laughs> um, less than 30 days later, I had over 500 respondents and I actually had to shut the survey site down because I had too much information. And I decided oh, wow. to make it into a book. <laughs> wow. 500 Nicole, that's yes. impressive. Wow. Well, I would say, it, you know, my thought was is I thought maybe 10 people would answer and, you know, it would just be enough to make me feel better about my life. But after uh-huh. a couple of weeks, I looked at it and I even had an optional question at the end that people did not have to answer where it was basically just room for them to tell me about their worst sexual experience. And I thought, nobody's going to fill that in. I had 253 people that told me about their worst sexual experiences, and I thought, wow. (laughs) Now, that's a good question. Worst sexual experience. Hmm. Yeah, you know, and... That's making me me wonder. I'll probably have to say mine would be when you're having sex and the man thinks to either... You know, they you get that erection and then they lose the erection and you like, Oh, is that Yes, it? how do you deal oh, with that? That that's <laughs> it's over. You got to go. If you have your own place, get out of mine. Yeah, that'll probably be my number that would be my number one pet peeve. I have heard some ladies in code say, um, they don't like when a man talks to them. Now I love if you talk to me. Please do. I don't want unnecessary talking, but you know the regular talking, um, who's this and all that. I love I love talking during sex. As long as it's not like we having a conversation about politics or nothing like that. I don't want to hear about that. Yeah, I'm nobody wants positive. to hear that. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm the same way. You know, 
I want I want a guy who whispers sweet nothings in my ears and and you know tells me right. how he's enjoying himself. That's what I want. But yeah, don't, right. don't talk to me about the political election process. Mm-hmm. I I really don't want to hear about that. Right. I will. I I wanna I wanna call you daddy or whatever. You know, I that, that makes it exciting, honey. That keeps it going. I love that type of stuff. I wanna be bored and silent like okay, we silent like I don't wanna hear I don't wanna hear the bees. I need to hear some, some conversation. But yeah, you know, that that would be probably one of my probably two of my pet peeves right there. Um so as far as it goes, Nicole, because you, you start on social media, so how, how much do you think social media really changed how we view sexual relations? Well, I think that um, sex, social media has really kind of taken over our lives. Um, you know, it used to be that we didn't we didn't have all of this in, interaction over the Internet. The Internet didn't exist a long time ago. And, you know, for the most part, you had to call people or you had to visit them in person or you had to write a letter. And I think that we had that initial face-to-face meeting, and now we have a situation where people can basically all over the world knock on your computer screen and say hi. I mean, I know I know you probably experienced this. I experience it. I have friends and fans all over the world that send me messages, and in a few years back, I would have never known these people because I would have had no way of connecting with them. But I think that we've lost that almost human interaction, and it's it's almost made it's almost made us a little bit numb to the process. I hate to put it in that in that particular way, but it's kind of distorted the way that we view relationships, not just romantic relationships, but even friendships. I know um, I, I claim one of my best friends, and she lives in the U.K. I have never met her face-to-face, but I love her desperately because she's a wonderful person and she's always been there for me, and I know that I could count on her for anything, but we've never actually met face-to-face. That's wonderful because contact is easy, but the, the question becomes is who's exactly knocking on our computer screens? We don't really know. Oh, no, we don't. And I get plenty of people I don't know half the time. They we have all these apps, Tango, IMO, Snapchat, and you get people like, wait a minute, I I don't know you. You're winking at me. I I really don't know you, and I get them all the time. Oh, I like you. Okay, I'm gonna delete you because I really don't know you. I don't want fifty thousand people, and besides, I'm a married woman. I don't want fifty thousand men in my box, um, hollering at me like. But that's mostly how we are going now about getting in contact, meeting up, getting our sexual intercourse in now through social media. That's the only way. And text messaging. No one is coming to your door. No one's opening the door anymore. And times really have changed. To me, to be honest and cold, it's like vice versa. I mean, some of us women are making it any easier to make ourselves unavailable. But... Years ago, I know you probably know this too. Man, open your door. Man gave you flowers. It took a while before sex even became a topic, but now everyone's rushing. They're rushing to it now. It's true, and we don't stop and think about the people that we do connect with over social media. We're not very careful and cautious with the people. You know, we think, oh, the more friends I have, the more popular I am. 
And really, they, if you stop mm-hmm. and look at some of these conversations, they're very scripted. Um, predators can create this perfect trap for kids and for adults, and they have this perfect profile to where people see it and they think, oh, this person's great. And there has, they, there's no substance behind it, and we don't, we don't even stop and think about it. We just see people and we, we're basically taking them at face value when I think before we were a little bit more cautious because those people had to see it face-to-face and they had to almost persuade us for our trust. And now we just kind of give it up blindly. We do. Lust. That's probably one of my words I'm going to say. Lust causes that. We think with our body parts. We get that sensation. We don't take anything cautious anymore. We we don't even look at the fact of probably a disease. I I can chat probably with probably so many guys right now, and I know a single question would not come up about using any protection. It's like you don't even know me, but you're in my inbox. You don't know me at all. I go on other people's pages, and I look at these comments with other women. I'm like, there's nothing that you're practicing with safe sex right now. You don't care, do you? You don't you don't care about your own health, nothing. It doesn't bother you that you're talking to a complete stranger. You have no regards for your safety or life. So hey, I guess it's I guess it's a it's a carefree zone now. No one takes anything seriously anymore, Nicole. And they really don't. And I think that we've almost created this culture ourselves. We've created this, you know, I want to be a celebrity culture. And that's what the kids know. So every kid is on Twitter. Every kid is on Instagram. And, you know, I fear for the day when the zombie apocalypse comes, although it's going to be kind of cool because there's going to be a lot of zombie pictures on Twitter and Instagram. And I can't wait for that. But truthfully, it's almost like young people don't have this search for that deep, meaningful relationship anymore. Everybody's trying to, to be on TV or be the Kim Kardashian of the future where they're famous for nothing more than being famous, or oh, we have shows yeah. like catfishing and sixteen right. and pregnant. Oh, <laughs> oh even get me into Kim Kardashian. It's really getting <laughs> ridiculous. I mean, I kudos to the Kardashians that you are famous for being on TV. But what else do you have to offer? Because baby doll, just believe me, you are getting old, and it's going to come a time and plastic surgery only could go. Uh, if you are doing that, it can only go so far. Like, it's got to be more of a work to us women besides just our body now. And I have talked to this previously on my show before, you know, we we catching these videos, we're twerking, and we're doing all that. We don't have self-worth. And, and man, you're guilty as well because look, you're looking at these women as a piece of meat but you would not dare want your daughters doing the same thing. So we have to look at what examples are we playing for our daughters too. Of course, it's good playing fun and games, but at the same time, now we got to our children are idolizing that too. And you'll be the first one to probably raise your hand up and get mad with them, but you're doing the exact same thing that you don't want them to do. I mean, we got to be cautious. I mean, yeah, it's cool. You're an adult, not stopping you from what you're doing. But be mindful. You have little ones who are looking up at you every day and catching you. And don't think they don't know what you're not doing. You And I have had people say, oh, I had to hurry up, hide my phone real quick. Trust me, these children are smart. They, they're not dumb like you be thinking. 
Exactly. And if you're doing something that you feel the need to hide, then obviously deep down inside you know it's not right. Mm-hmm. And I and I fear for these girls and I and I know I'm I'm guilty of it and you probably were guilty of it when you were younger as well, is that, you know, we almost value our self worth by how much other people like us. And right. I do it all the time. It's it you know, women women tend to do it a little bit more than men do. Because, you know, we value other people's opinions and we want to know what they think of us. So you have this this young, impressionable girl, let's say, you know, the age of 13, who's just coming into puberty, who maybe doesn't like something about herself, and all of a sudden it's this society of mean girls that are saying, you need to get your nose fixed, you need to get your boobs done, you need to get your lips done, you need to wear this makeup, you need to look like this. And then some boy comes along and pays a little bit of attention to her and says, hey, Send me a naked picture of yourself. And because she doesn't value who she is as a person, she thinks that's the only way she can get someone to pay attention to her. And all of a sudden, these pictures are going out, and, you know, a couple of years later, she, she sees her picture on a porn, star, a porn porn site and doesn't know how that happened. It's, you know, we don't stop and think of these things, and we have to show the younger generation that, you know, there needs to be some substance behind the celebrity. We need to, you know, yes, let's praise the, the Kardashians because, yes, they have made a living on being on TV. That's great. But what mm-hmm. I want to see is, you know, give me somebody who, who is a role model that can stand up and say, you know, this is what I did with my life. I'm famous because, you know, maybe I was in a movie or I act really well or, you know, I'm a good singer or, you know, I'm or I'm working hard to do something, and this is my journey to that. But, you know, we have these reality TV, and it's nothing more than people going about their everyday life. And I think that's great. Yes, we should praise the everyday and say, yes, those are are things that we should be proud of. But it seems like you have this inherent drama in living your life. I don't know about you, but my life is not the real housewives of Atlanta. It's not. <laughs> right. And, and take it however I want to take it, but we are being so food into this entertainment. And, yes, I will be honest. I have watched some of this entertainment, but would you rather be entertained or educated? Because, the, to me, the Kardashians are not educating nothing. I don't see none of their educating it at all to me. And, yeah, you, you're doing your millions, but fine and dandy. Kudos. But you're not educating nothing. You're not educating nothing. Nicki Minaj is not educating nothing. I, I'm not saying the role models that we need for our children out here, no matter what ethnicity or gender they are, we're not getting those role models. We're getting entertained, and that's how we get blinded. We get entertained. We're losing the message out here. We're not We're not doing that, and that's why That's why things are the way they are. We're not giving the message, and, yes, I know people saw this topic as it's just going to be on sex, but at the same time, Nicole and I are here to educate you more on the matter of sex and to really get you deep into what it's really all about. It's not just about boy meets girl and we're going to do this and that. No, it's it's more it's more into it. And I'm glad that you, Nicole, are taking it a step farther because I don't want nobody just thinking, oh, well, we just going to talk about sex. Yeah, we're going to talk about sex, but we got to also keep you educated too. So. Absolutely. And that's kind of, you know, yes, my book is, absolutely fluff. It is funny. It's meant to be funny. It's very (laughs) tongue-in-cheek. It's meant to be that. But again, there is a message, and I think that it comes clearly throughout the book. And by the time you get to the end of the book, 
um, I tell you exactly what that message is if you haven't already picked up on it. It's the message that I wanted to get across was that regardless of where you are in the world, what age you are, what sex you are, what sex you prefer, anything, all of those things don't mean anything. They're all static because initially what you start reading from, from the answers that you see is that most of those answers could be your own answers. That they're not much different. So the girl in China sounded exactly like the girl in London. And they, they can start to see that, you know what, we're all the same. We're just people. We all have that same fear. We have the same inhibitions. We have the same doubts. We have the same concerns. We have the same worries. And we aren't that different. And we need to start learning that just because we have differences doesn't mean that we should focus on those things. We should focus on the fact that we're all the same and that, you know, those little differences are what makes us unique and makes us special and that we should celebrate those things and not use those to drag other people down. It's why we have wars in this world. It's why we have hate and all these things. And we should learn to embrace the differences and not fight so much. Exactly. You couldn't have said it no better than that. Exactly. But, you know, when it comes, when it boils down to it, Nicole takes tales. But, but, that, but now, does it really? And why? Because in my opinion, it, it does. It looks like um, Nicki Minaj could probably sell more albums than Lauren Hill. Well, and, you know, that that I think is the belief that we all have. And truthfully, and, you know, I'm going to hit you with a little bit of science. Um, I try not to do too much science because I'm more of a fluff person anyways. But um, wow. human beings as as a mammal are, have this underlying pre-programmed dispos- disposition to respond to sexual imagery. It's very strong. And it's why advertisers have used sex as their main weapon for over 100 years. From a celebrity to a CEO, if you want to get your voice heard or your brand recognized, people know that the quickest way to do that is to strip down or to make a suggestive pose or comment and be controversial. But the the truth of the matter is, is that we have this deluge of sexual imagery and we've created this age of shallowness and selfies over our substance and personality. But the truth of the matter is science doesn't lie. Sexy ads really do not help brand recall. And I want you to stop and think for a moment. Think about, and I love to use this particular example because it's one that, that I'm very familiar with and most people have seen. Everybody has seen the Carl's Jr.'s or Hardee's ads for the hamburgers with the sexy girl eating the big hamburger, and it's very, it's very full of the sexual imagery, and it's got double entendres and a lot of – it's just basically sex-filled. It's basically porn. That's what it is. So most people have seen the ads. The sad part about it is, is that when scientists actually stopped and asked people to recall the ads, People couldn't even tell them what the name of the company was after seeing the ad. They had no idea because our brain is so overloaded by those sexual images. The only thing we could tell you is it was for hamburger. I don't know what the company was, but it was a hamburger. So that's almost sad. <laughs> and what they did is they they took the Super Bowl ads because those are, of course, the most prevalent ads. They're the big, you know, first, once a year we get to see them. 
And then after that, you know, we see them about a thousand times and we don't pay any attention to them, but they're new. So they took the Super Bowl ads and they started looking at them and 30% of the ads from the Super Bowl contained sexy images or double meanings. And each of those ads that had sexual images in them were rated far less in brand recognition than the the other side of the fence, which were the family-friendly ones. So like I had my Hardee's commercial, most people have seen the ads and they think, oh, okay, it's for hamburger. And then when I say it's for Hardee's or Carl's Jr., they oh, yeah, that's right, that's who it's for. Most people really don't connect it. They just remember the ad. But if I tell you about the cute little kid with the Darth Vader mask for the car commercial, everybody will go, that was a Volkswagen ad. Everybody remembers the ad because, one, it was family-friendly, Two, it didn't overpower your brain with these these images. And three, it was funny. It was very cute and it was very funny. So the truth of the matter is, and and this is kind of how I relate it, sex really doesn't sell because when you stop and think about it, all the brain, all the blood in our body has been pulled from our brain and has moved down to our sexual organs now, and we've completely forgotten what the product was. Wow, I'm glad you schooled me on that because I I did always thought sex sell, you know, even when you go on certain posts because I'm always looking on Facebook. I see most women who look half naked got over five thousand pictures, but a woman with a business suit looks like she has a hundred likes, and it's like wow, you cover up and you get less likes, but when you expose yourself, it's like wow. I guess everybody's mind is small, but I'm glad you brought that point to us, though, because in my mind I was sure thinking sex sales. That's what people put out here. That's the publicity, that if you're educated and you're smart or whatever, you're not going to sell, you know. you got to be out there. you got to flaunt it. So, yeah, Nicole, I'm glad you, uh, you enlightened no, and us it on is that. True. It is true, and I think, that, I think that when you stop and think about the ads, um, on television now, I think probably my best example of a perfect balanced ad is going to be the Dove chocolate. They have this lovely, almost seduction going on. The, the girls are very pretty. The men are very handsome. But they show the chocolate, and they, they show it in a very seductive way. There's no nudity. There's no the, it's, the imagery is not overtly sexual. It's very subtle. And people remember the ad, but they also remember the product. And I think that we're looking at two extremes here. You've got a lady in the business suit who doesn't get a lot of likes, but when you stop and think about it, the likes that she's getting are of high quality. Then you've got on the other side of the fence the very pretty girl who's basically naked in her picture who's got thousands and thousands of likes. But nobody really knows anything about her and she doesn't have any substance to her. So really what kind of quality are those likes? So I think mm-hmm. that as a society, we need to focus on that middle ground that if you have a product, like, for example, my book has a lot to do with sex. So, you know, I had the choice of I could have been overtly sexual in my in my pre, my presentation of it and put, you know, something very sexy on the cover like, you know, half-naked woman. Or I could be very subtle and put something that was, you know, easy and friendly and not overtly sexual because the content was so overtly sexual. So it's about finding that middle ground so that people can, one, see that you have substance and the likes that you get are quality likes, but also 
using what you need to in order to get your message across. Um, I, I, of course, it goes back to what is your product about. Obviously, you're not going to try and use sex if you're trying to sell something like kids' toys because I've right. seen a few ads like that, and they, they, actually, they actually turn people off in certain instances. So I think advertisers have pretty much oversaturated our market with these sexy ads that we're starting to we're starting to move back towards these family friendly, funny, clever plays on on stuff that are actually getting better attention. And if you stop and think about the ads that you respond to personally, you'll see that they tend to be those funny, quirky, kind of off the beaten path, and most of them don't have overtly sexual images in them. And I think that that advertisers are starting to realize that you know what. The marketplace, not just in America but all over the world, has become far more sophisticated, and we're tired of seeing these overtly sexual ads in our face. Unless you're selling perfume or lingerie, I'm not interested. Right. Exactly, and <laughs> I wouldn't be either, you know. But um, you know, to now let's get talking about a little bit more of the morality, um, Nicole how sex and television and film has become like the second sexual revolution now. Well, and you know, and I, I we have to hearken back to the early days of television. <laughs> let's, let's, you know, jump in the time machine and go back a little bit. I, I, I'm, some of us may not be around. I think, I think we're probably about the same age and I don't think either one of us were around for the early days of television. Um, but anybody who's, who's watched Nick at Night, or things like that, can see the early days of television. Um, there was a censor board, um, for those of us who weren't there, that ruled with an iron fist. There were things that you could not do and you could not say. Um, I Love Lucy is a great example of this. Um, I Love Lucy, they did not share a bed. They could not say any words that had anything to do with sex. In fact, when Lucy Ricardo and Lucy um, Arnez were pregnant at the same time, when they announced it on the show, they didn't even have, they couldn't even say the word pregnancy. She couldn't even say that she was pregnant. They had to, they had to use other euphemisms for it because it was so taboo and the censor board wouldn't allow it. Then we moved into the 60s and there was a sexual revolution, um, which made its way from the real world into the television world. And it changed the way the censor board viewed things. In fact, by the by the early 60s, 63, I believe, was the last time that you actually had a censor board that actually had any power and, ironically, was on CBS. Um, by 1964, there were no more censor boards. The FCC ruled at that point, and there was very lenient instructions given in things that we normally would not have seen on television were now right in our living rooms. And if you stop and look at it today, um, TV back in the 50s, you couldn't even say the word pregnancy. I can turn my TV on right now and I could order pay-per-view porn. That is a huge leap and it's only been a couple of years. So between our technology and our advancement, we've really taken the sexual revolution from the real world and put it into the television world. And if you stop and think about it, I mean... Even on regular television, we now have words that normally would have been considered taboo. 
I think anybody who was around in the 70s um, heard George Carlin's rant on the seven words you can't say on television. And I think of those seven words, only three of them you can't say anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's been a huge change for us. And I think that sometimes change is good, but I think the changes have come so fast that we haven't stopped to consider the ramifications that they've caused in our society. You know, it used to be you'd never hear about a school shooting or girls getting pregnant was taboo and things like that. Right. And you've moved into this society where everybody has a gun. And I'm not saying that people shouldn't have yeah. guns. I'm just saying they shouldn't use them. Um, right. <laughs> you know, if you want to own a gun, that's great. Just don't buy bullets. That's, you know, right. fun. Right. Um, but we've moved into this whole, it's almost like we've got the Wild West coming back again. It's like everything goes and nothing is taboo anymore. And I think that, you know, when you start looking back on history, we do repeat ourselves. Because in the 1920s, you had the flapper girls and sex was very prevalent. Alcohol and drug use were very prevalent. And then we moved into these more stringent times with the 1950s where everything was taboo and nobody was talking about anything. And I think, once again, it's one of those situations where we have to find that common middle ground. Instead of not talking about things and having too much, we need to find that middle ground where we're talking about it in honest, open discussions and we're having truthful discussions with each other and that we start to learn the things that we need to teach our kids and the things that we need to keep from our kids and show our kids that, you know, these are the things that are out there in the world. We need to be honest and open and talk to them. It's, oh, yes, we do. We got we got to do our jobs. We don't want to do our jobs. They can't raise themselves. And when they raise themselves, they either end up in the cemetery or jail. So, parents, Nicole left you on that valuable note before we take a short commercial break. Be a parent to your child. No matter what, by the end of the day, be a parent to your child. Forget all the bull junk that you're listening to or whatever else going on in your life. Be a parent to that child because that's who got to grow up. That's who got to go into society, and they have to be prepared. So be a parent. But we're going to take a short commercial break. And to the caller that was just on, please do not give up. Call back in again. I do apologize about that. Sorry for that. Um, not getting you on, but do call back in. The number is three four seven four two six three seven five one, and we will get you right on. But we're going to take a short commercial break, and we're going to come back with Nicole with more questions, um, bringing up communication, and more about morality. So stay tuned. Thought it was over? Not yet. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Blog Talk Talk Radio, baby. Okay, so five tacos, a cheese, and a large soda. That's $10,012. Please drive around. Wait, 10000 what? It's obvious you're buzzed and driving. I've only had a few. I'm fine. Yeah, the food's 12 bucks, but getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Please drive around. Actually, just park and come in. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving. Because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I liked things to always be the same. Anything new or different would scare and upset me. 
I was very sensitive to lights and sounds. It was almost like I had bigger eyes and ears than everyone else. So I built secret hiding places where nothing could get in. I didn't like looking people in the eye. It made me feel uncomfortable. I'd throw big tantrums over little things like when my socks didn't match. Sometimes I'd do the same things over and over. Until one day, I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. You can see signs of autism in children as young as 18 months. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. All right. If you're tuning in or listening to the replay, we're here with Nicole Delacroix. She's author, sex, and intimacy artiste, and she has a new nonfiction piece out, Sexual Confessional Confidential Omissions from Social Media. And we're not just focusing on sex, but we want you to be a little more educated because it's a topic that we went away from, and we need to get back to it mostly. So do call in at 347-426-3751 with your questions. Um, well, Nicole, when it comes, when it actually comes down to it, we, we're talking about the mainstream of erotica. How has that really opened the door to a previously taboo subject? Well, you know, it's interesting because most people look at um, Fifty Shades of Grey as that step into the marketplace. When truthfully, mm-hmm. I think I think the step actually happened a while back, and we just never really actually acknowledged it. When when porn became more prevalent, and you had the peep shows and things like that, that's kind of when sex entered the mainstream. I will admit that yes, Fifty Shades of Grey made it acceptable to read erotica. And I think that it became a little bit more mainstream with that. Um, Honestly, I think any woman who's ever read a romance novel is going to say that, yeah, Fifty Shades of Grey had nothing to do with that because romance novels had been doing that for years. Um, (laughs) It's why we read them. We just like the hunky guys on the front. (laughs) Right. But I think that I think that the one thing, and I do I do uh, applaud Fifty Shades of Grey for this particular thing, is that it made it acceptable to read these in public without, you know, hiding what you're reading. I remember when I was growing up, and um, I was reading D. H. Lawrence, and (laughs) I actually hid. the cover and I had the Hobbit on the front and my mother just, you know, was watching me read it and she's like, that must be a really interesting book. And I mean, I'm reading Lady Chatterley's Lover, but she thinks I'm reading The Hobbit. And (laughs) she's like, that's a really interesting book. Maybe I should read it. And I'm like, um, um, (laughs) of course, you know, so she goes out and buys a copy of The Hobbit. She goes out to buy a copy of The Hobbit and she's thinking, why did you think this was so interesting? Because it's not as interesting as, as it seemed. She's like, maybe I should read your copy. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, Mother. You don't You don't want my copy, Mother. No. <laughs> this, is not, this, is, this is not for you, Mother. Sorry. <laughs> but it does let you get away with it because I, I bring my books to work. Yeah, I'm on the second book of Fifty Shades of Grey and I, I bring it to work, but Probably if I was just looking at the title before I even knew about it, I probably would have said, oh, okay, it's innocent because it don't look erotic. I mean, you you look at the cover, you see a mask, but that's still not like, okay, it's not sexual, it's safe. 
But once you get into a child, you're in a whole new world. <laughs> well, and again, it goes back to that. E.L. James has found that perfect middle ground where the book contents are incredibly overtly sexual, but the front of it doesn't doesn't give away what the book is really about. Um, of course, anybody who's read the, the first book is going to know what all the other books are about. And um, most people have heard of Fifty Shades of Grey. So, you know, again, it goes back to that, you know, our technology has gotten us to that point where you can be on your Kindle and you can read just about anything and nobody knows mm-hmm. what you're reading. Right. It, it, yeah. Yeah, it's more comfortable now. You don't have to worry about exploring yourself. Oh, you're reading a textbook. You're right about that. Technology has made it easier for you to be more private now. So, yeah. Well, and I think the other thing that I want to applaud Fifty Shades of Grey for is that they've actually opened the door to couples discussing things like fantasies and things that they want to experience. I think that communication is key in any relationship, not just romantic, but any relationship. And I think that anything that's going to say, you know, we should have more of that and we should champion communication between us, I think needs to be applauded. I mean, I'm I'm not a huge supporter of the Fifty Shades of Grey series for my own personal reasons. Um, I just didn't agree with some of the things in the book, and it just wasn't a great read for me, my personal opinion on that. I understand how some people really did enjoy it, and it was an open door for them. So I can applaud E.L. James for opening the door to communication and to showing couples that, you know what, it's not taboo to talk about sex. You really should be talking about sex. In fact, I think we should be talking about sex more. I think we should get past that point where we're giggling like school kids and thinking everything is going to be dirty when we have a frank discussion. Right, and don't be thinking that you're going to be doing no tying nobody up and all that stuff. Uh-uh, don't be trying to get all too kinky on me now. Get that. Talking about tying you up and beat me with uh, belts and stuff. You don't lost your mind, honey. I'm going to pop you in. Sorry. You going to get popped off. I mean, the book is fine, like but Beyond got home and Beyond tried to choke you and stuff. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on now. We we're not trying to go that far. We ain't got to role play the book now. <laughs> that book gonna get people <laughs> gonna get somebody in trouble, Nicole. They're gonna be in jail. <laughs> well, and that is true. And I think that again, that and that was one of my inherent problems with the Fifty Shades of Grace series was that is that most people who engage in the bondage and sadomasochism lifestyle have a very clear, open communication with the person that they're with. And there are there are fail-safes to keep people safe. And it's ironic right. that most people, when they read them, and, and this is going to blow your mind, is that most people, you have your dominant and then you have your submissive. And most people think that the dominant is in charge. And I actually have friends who live the BDSM lifestyle, and they'll be the first ones to tell you, and the dominant person will be the first one to tell you that they are not in charge. The submissive is. Oh, Okay, okay. I thought I thought that was the case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I no, hope someone is listening that. up to my show. Please, I hope <laughs> you're listening. You are not in control, honey. It does not work That's that right. way. Mm-mm. Well, the submissive I'm so has all the control because they get to be the ones that says the safe word, and when the safe word is say, said, the dominant has to stop. And most people that live that lifestyle – 
are incredibly close. They are they have this really great communication between themselves. So a lot of people look at it, especially when it's a woman that's submissive, they think that it's that it's almost a misogynistic and it really isn't. It's actually okay. very empowering for a woman to to be completely free to allow herself to experience things that she wouldn't normally experience right. and still know that she has that control to say that when I say stop you stop. Uh, that's what I mean. Right. I want to try something new, but when I say stop, I say stop. And that's what I mean. You're going to get popped. You keep acting like you don't hear me. See, like Fifty Shades of Grey, me and him, me and Mr. Grey, we wouldn't get along because I said stop. I'll be on popping him in his eye. That's why I went burst off on a black woman like us because I'll be on popping you in your eye. I told you to stop. Now I'm about your business now. You're going to hit people with sticks and stuff that think that's okay and then want to spank me and my butt is sore. I ain't got time for all that. Anna was good. They made her character good because I would have been on pop. You know, you're going you to spank me on my butt and think I'm going to take that like a child. I am a 33-year-old woman. You're not going to pop me and spank me now. Go on about your business with all that because you getting turned on and, and got me sore. Now I got to go to work with a sore behind. Like, <laughs> look, but, but now, Nicole, you did mention – um, you did mention communication, honesty, but when is it too much? I mean, simply too much just to be too honest. Well, and, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in, and I live my life, and that's, it could possibly be why I'm still single, um, because I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm on that far end of it where I share way too much information. Um, but I think I think that, you know, when people are together and they have a good connection with each other, I think they know where that limit is. I think that should we share our fantasies, I think that everybody should feel comfortable with the person that they've chosen as a life mate to be able to open themselves up and share the things that go through their head. They're not necessarily oh, things yeah. that you want to act on, but you should be able to go to your partner and say those wild and crazy things that go into your head. That should be your safe zone. And you should also offer that up to your partner. You should say this is a safe zone. On that same vein of thought, do I think people should be talking about how many sexual partners they've had? No. I don't think that that leads to a good communication at all. Do I think that they should discuss STDs and their medical background? Absolutely. Do I think that any man needs to know that you've slept with X number of men? Absolutely not. Because it doesn't change anything. It doesn't. If the person loves you, they're going to love you whether you slept with one man or a hundred men. That's not going to change. And I think that those things kind of open up a really bad area for people. And I think that people misunderstand honest communication with sharing too much information. <laughs> I Why? think that we should be... Go ahead. Right. I agree with you because then you get the wondering like, oh, that person asked you, well, tell me something about yourself. And you're like, oh, what should I tell you? And they want to keep going on and on. Like, uh, uh, tell me something I don't know. Like, oh, I don't I don't know. What what do you want to know? Can you be more specific with the question? I don't know. Maybe, do you want to know I had a, never had a birthday at five years old? I don't know how you might want me to be or, you know, so it, it, I, I agree with you. It's a borderline and you can't. Then these are great points for a male or female to really understand, okay, this is what I want to share, this is what I don't want to share, okay, because you don't want to cross the line, and you don't want to run them off either, like, okay, I just told you, okay, maybe I shouldn't have told you that far, 
<laughs> maybe I shouldn't have told you about my fantasy to be spanked. Maybe you weren't ready for that yet. <laughs> right, and, yeah. and, and, and you don't. Right, or you that you lactose intolerant, and and what made me think about that because um, it was a while back. My coworkers and I was at work, and um, we was talking about the strawberry letters that comes on the radio with. Steve Harvey, and one of the ladies was telling about her encounterment with one of her co-workers. She liked them, but she was also lactose intolerant. Took out, she ate some ice cream, went back to his place, and by her eating the ice cream, it exploded. She did the number two, Ooh. and it got all over him. He ran out of the place. He was so teed off, and she took a shower in his place, but he left, and it was like, you know, in that point, I wouldn't have told you that I'm lactose intolerant anything like that, but I just probably ate the ice cream. I don't know if I could have been honest and say, "Hey, this is what happens to me when I eat ice cream." I'm a, I'm gonna do the number two because that's kind of embarrassing. Like I don't want to share my business, but you know. <laughs> well, and I think that in those situations, it goes to what you're comfortable with as well. And for right. me, it's like I look at it this way: if it's medically important, like I happen to be lactose intolerant, although it's it's not to that degree, it just gives me stomach pain, but. You know, in that instance, I would say if somebody offered me ice cream, I'd be like, you know, I really love ice cream, but it really just doesn't make me feel good, so I try not to eat it. And that's a simple, easy way of not having to have that discussion, but also letting the person know that while I enjoy it and I appreciate you offering it to me, it's not something I could eat and feel good. So I'm trying trying to warn you, don't give me the ice cream, please. Yeah, because, you know, at some point I'm going to be doubled over in pain and talking about, oh, God, kill me now. <laughs> right. I, now, I, would, I wish some people would be honest. If if you're a serial killer, you plan on doing something to me. I mean, like, seriously, I, I don't even want to laugh about it. I mean, it might tickle you a little bit, listeners, but if you're a serial killer, just let me, just let me know. I would. Can you throw a hint, any hint? that you plan on doing any harm to me so I can get on. I don't want to go to your place and I'm tied up in two seconds. Like, that's not part of the deal. You, you ain't put that on your profile. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to say that, I'm just going to say that, you know, being devil's advocate here, you know, putting a possible serial killer on your Tinder, on your Tinder profile, not going to get you a lot of dates. It just isn't. Right. <laughs> but I see so, your point. Matter, I see your point, Nicole. Matter of fact, I don't even put up a profile going on a profile and talking about you sweet, yeah, and then you got me tied up. Like, wait a minute. That wasn't on the profile. I mean, that, that would save a lot of time and space. Like, okay, I know not to mess with this fool or this woman. You didn't tell me that exactly. you was crazy. <laughs> right. We'll save a lot. <laughs> um, um, now, we, we have, we talked a little about you know, body image and, and its self-worth, especially with the Kardashians. Why do maybe someone else need a partner to feel worse? Because that's what gets me. I think it's good. If, first of all, I think it's good to be on your own. People feel that they need somebody to feel that worth, and that's not how we do it. And as I said before, some people come into your life for a season, but we choose to hold on to them to feel important. If I don't have a person on my shoulder, I'm not going to feel right. What what you think, Nicole? Well, and, and I think that a lot of that goes back to um, environment and upbringing. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, and, and I, I love the fact that my mother happens to be a European and my father was American. 
my mother's German, so I was raised with a lot of that European viewpoint on things. Um, I remember, you know, my mother taught me about the birds and bees, and I I hadn't even hit puberty yet. I mean, I knew everything that was going to happen to my body before it happened. And I love mm-hmm. my mother for that because I my, think that yeah. she, she realized that, you know, we shouldn't be afraid of our bodies, and we shouldn't. No. You know what? So what? I've got a little bit of a fat butt. You know what? Some guys like fat butts. And, you know, so right. what if my hair is a little stringy? Some guys like stringy hair. You know, right. and, and we need to get past that whole mean girl society that we have, and we need to look at our young girls and our young boys and say, you know right. what? You're beautiful just the way you are. You don't need to change anything. Mm-hmm. You don't yes. need plastic surgery. The world is made up of so many people. And I love the fact that, you know, my my mother, my sister and I have always had weight problems. And my mother, when my sister was a little bit overweight, my sister said, well, I'm fat and all the girls are making fun of me. And she said, do you know that there's a country in Africa that the fatter you are, the more men want you? Yeah. And that yep. kind of blew my sister's mind. And she kind of went, yep. what? And she's like, so, mm-hmm. yeah, just because these girls think you're you're not skinny enough, in the world that are thinking you're not fat enough. So right. Right. everything that you think about yourself that is bad, like I personally don't like the way my nose looks. There are some people in this world that are going to say that my nose is great and it needs to be bigger. <laughs> so just like, you know, the girls that have really small boobs think they need really big boobs, there are some men out there that are going to think that your boobs are too big. So right. I think that we need to start teaching our kids that, you know what, it's okay to be different right. because, you know what, that is what makes you you. We need to be exactly. We need to stop all looking like Kim Kardashian because, truthfully, not everybody thinks Kim Kardashian is beautiful. I mean, she is, right. but, you know, not everybody likes that. And that's the problem. Excuse me for saying it. But we get too focused on ass and titties. We do. We get too <laughs> caught up on that. My God, I'm so tired of that. Ass and titties. I'm sorry. Because ass, y'all know y'all say ass all the time. I'm not going to sugarcoat. We get so caught up on that, and our daughters feel that's what's right. Nicole hit on a point. You are beautiful, and also our males. We're not going to forget about our boys. You are handsome. You do not have to go around looking like you're a steroid freak, like Incredible Hope, to be a decent man. Yes, we women, yeah. I probably will look at a man with some biceps, yeah. But that's about the end of the day. That's not who I'm going to go with because you, you're too muscular for me. I don't need you to smug me in the bed, okay, with your muscle. Your arm might come over me and kill me because you don't roll off of me. I don't need that. So, you know, we have to Well, and you know, much. I have you a know, lovely friend who happens to be a little bit thin, and I love him to death. He's just wonderful. I know he's this right, man, The way he is. And uh-huh. he's like, I wish I could be like, you know, I can look like the guy from Thor. And I'm like, why would you want to look like that? Don't you know the bigger your arms get, the smaller your penis gets? No. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, dude, when you gain more weight, your penis gets smaller. Wait a minute. See, and that's, that's the whole, you just got to teach them to look outside the box and think in a different way. It's like, you know what? You don't need to be all that because to me, guys that spend all their time in the gym don't have time to spend with me. I'm like, right. you know, I like a guy that wants to spend some time with me. I want some guy who's going to curl up on the couch and sit there and, you know, talk to me and watch TV and, and hang out and have a good time and have time to, to spend, you know. And if he just happens exactly. to, you know, be British and handsome, I'm okay with that too. <laughs> be, exactly. Be but, you know, 
I'm also well, not going to turn around and say that the nice guy that comes and asks me out and treats me nicely isn't going to have a chance because, you know what, after a couple of dates, that guy starts looking really good, especially, you know, the older you get. <laughs> and, uh, you got that right. And I was just talking to a, a classmate yesterday on that, you know, we we were laughing about um, everyone in high school, how they looked, their appearance. I mean, these girls was banging, had the behinds and the breasts, and I look at them on Facebook, and you're like, oh, my God, is, is that you? You're a kid. Like, what happened? Like, you, you're you bitter now. You you had to buy them the banging body, but I agree with Nicole. We got to stop that. And, and just because women have big breasts don't mean that's all right. Honey, half a time they have back problems. You got to spend more on a bra. Mm-hmm. So you can't think about it. You have to order special bras because they have the regular ones right. don't fit. <laughs> right. Honey, I tell them. I tell them, excuse me, honey, I like, I just found out it was a 36D. I went to Victoria's Secret and, got, and I got fitted professionally. <laughs> I love mine, Well, honey. yeah, I, some I of us, some right of us are a little bit bigger. You know, the double D, right. you, you don't get the cute little Victoria's Secret bras. You have to buy <laughs> the big ones that people can put their freaking heads in. <laughs> You know, I'm sorry, I can't help it. You know, all these guys think, I want a girl with really, really big boobs. I got surprised for you. Guess what? They usually wear granny panties because they don't make them in our size. Right, because they just don't. In your size, honey. And them bras that Victoria's Secret be. And look, Nicole, come on, let's be honest. Them them bras that Victoria's Secret be costing money. They they cost so much money, honey. Them be your special bras. You be like, hold up now. Take this bra for me right now. Don't tap. Do not tell this bra. I spent fifty dollars on it now. Don't just rip it exactly. off of me. You 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 take it off properly, honey. You don't just rip off my fifty dollar bra. I don't care. This ain't Kmart or Walmart bra. What's wrong with you? Exactly. <laughs> but and you know what? If I buy one of those cute little bras from Victoria's Secret with a double D's, I promise you, within twenty minutes, I'm breaking that underwire because it ain't lasting more than more than an hour. Because seriously, those little things are flimsy. They don't work. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry, but you want a girl with big boobs. That's what you're going to deal with. And guess what? When she gets older, those boobs are going to be point, pointing down. There ain't nothing you can do about that. There ain't no exercise for that. Well, it's I, like, you know, yeah, I could go and have plastic surgery, but why would I want to do that? This is how God made me, and I'm happy. Right. Oh, Nicole, I'm really enjoying my time with you, Nicole. This this has been fun. <laughs> Nicole, um, let's... let's um, Oh, I couldn't even get it out right. I got tongue tied. Nicole, tell us where we can get your book, find out more information, and are you coming out with anything else in, for next month or the near future? I am, and you can you can always keep up to date with whatever I'm doing at my website, which is www.nicole-delacroix.com. And um, my book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles. Any of your online booksellers are going to be able to get a copy of it. And you can go into your local bookstore and ask them to um, get a copy. They will, they will be able to order it from Amazon. Um, in fact, the Kindle is on sale right now for $0.99. Cents, um, and you can definitely download your copy today. Um, and um, I'm on Twitter, so anybody who likes to tweet, Tweet me. I do respond. It might take me a little while, but um, I do respond. <laughs> and I think that that kind of throws people off a little bit. And I am I am working on a new project, which is a um, my own personal take on feminism. 
um, which I am not a feminist, so that should be interesting. Um, I do have some inherent problems, but I do believe that we should just treat each other as equals and regardless of gender, age, and all of that. Um, I think it's all static. Underneath it all, we're all bones and we're all the same. So um, that's kind of where I'm going in that direction. And I might have another fiction book. I'm kind of testing the waters again, and um, I may be putting out some short stories in the near future. But all of that is available on my website. Right. Um, Definitely. We are all up on the same. Honey, when you get to that judgment day, no one's going to be talking about you was beautiful. Let's see if you're going to go to heaven or hell. We're not, it's not going to be based off on no looks or nothing else. But before we leave, this message is for everyone, everyone, including, including Nicole, all my guests. You know, I got to give you the truth of the day from my friend Mary Ellen. And this is become a completely integrated and balanced human being, mind, body, and spirit. You will feel more alive and authentic when you achieve balance in your mind, body, and spirit. Be yourself unafraid of how others judge you or respond to your choices. Freely express yourself while becoming respectful of other people's point of view. Do not waste time or energy concealing your true self. Rather, show this self to the world as that is who you are and what you are here to do. Today, achieve wholeness while experiencing your fully integrated human self. Enjoy the day, everyone. I think that's a good note to leave off after what Nicole and I discussed. And know your worth, ladies. Know your worth, man. Because if you don't know it, no one else will. And if you don't decide to love yourself, how can you be with somebody else? I don't think so because you and that person going to be miserable. And I don't like misery. You can get on up out of here with all that. Take your trash with you, too. But, um, Nicole, thank you for enlightening us with that. And please pick up Nicole's book. You heard her. She said 99 cents on Amazon Kindle, honey. That's the deal. Get it. But, Nicole, I appreciate you for being on the show with me. And I cannot well, wait I for any of the projects. You are so welcome. I'm already following you on Twitter, so I'll be I'll be waiting to have you on again. Well, thank you so much, and I thank your listeners. And anytime you want me to come back, I'm happy to come back, and we can talk fluff or we can talk serious. But you know, as long as we talk and we're honest, conversation's always good. Exactly. Thank you so much. Enjoy the day, everyone, and I will see you again the next time on the Bright Side with Technicia. God bless. Thanks for listening to The Bright Side. Thanks for listening to The Bright Side with Technicia. If you like what you heard, tell your dad, mother, cousin, uncle, whomever. Be sure to check out the archive section at www.brightsidewithtk.com. 